This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. My niece is starting to be able to say my name, and when she asks where I'm at, I melt. Slowing down is becoming one of my life hacks, and I'm learning about permaculture through trial and error with my brother. Hi, I'm Zoya. When I was 14, I was driving with my aunt. She was teaching me how to drive, and I experienced driving airborne off a bridge head on into a tree. Second fun fact is that I am like super into fantasy fiction. Young adult, new adult, the way Trekkies are into Star Trek. Seriously, 150 audiobooks last year. Absolutely love fantasy. I love pineapples. Absolutely adore pineapples. Hi, I'm Janelle. I pick my dog's eye buggers off his face every morning. I lived in an old church in college, and I find plucking eyebrows to be one of the most satisfying tasks ever. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. I also put pineapples on my... So do I. That's what I was going to say. I love (laughs) pineapple. And like pineapple pizza... Yeah. People, if they don't, if they're not on board, mm-mm. have you ever had dried pineapples? I'm sure you have. Oh gosh, yes, dried and sugared and all oh, kinds God. of so good. <laughs> Does it make your mouth um, like sometimes if I have too much pineapple, it like feels like there's little baby cuts in my mouth? Does that happen to you? Oh really? No, that hasn't happened. It doesn't to me. happen to you either. Oh shoot, maybe I'm I should talk to my Oh god. <laughs> You okay like there? it makes my mouth raw <laughs> if I eat too much. <laughs> I have weird allergies. Apparently, maybe I'm also allergic to pineapples. <laughs> you know, we're often allergic to the things that we love the most. I used to love Ooh. eggs and now I can't touch them. People say, oh, well, you gonna, why did you become a vegan? And I say, um, well, actually, I was a vegetarian. And then my body says, no, you can't have eggs and you can't have dairy. And said, so, so I, I can't say I'm a conscious vegan, <laughs> or at least not originally. See, that's so funny. That's kind of me too. Um, So I can't believe you walked away from that. That's insane. Yeah, it was, you know, and there's a broader story to that. So my great grandmother, she was very intuitive. She was one of these people who uh, could see and hear uh, her, her intuition, everything, you know, the typical ancestral you know, family grandmother who knows everything, right? You don't piss her off and, and, uh, and, but you listen when she speaks. And so my aunt and I uh, were going to go out for a drive, but we didn't want to tell grandma because we knew she was going to give us some shit about it. Right. And so we were about to walk out the door and she says, gals, I got a funny feeling. Y'all be careful now. We're like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, so we go out and we were going around. I lived in Wichita at the time, or I was visiting Wichita at the time. Midwestern girl too. And, um, and so we were driving around Wichita State University campus. <clears throat> and you know, she's having me go through the parking lot and this, that, and the other. And so she had me make a left turn and I hesitated. And I said, I don't want to make a left. And she says, just make a left. It's like, I don't want to make a left. And <laughs> so she's like, just, you're fine, make a left. So when I turned, 
I turned too wide and she says, be careful. And when she did that, it startled me and I slammed my foot down, which I thought was the brake <laughs> and it was the accelerator. And so I did an extreme left turn. We missed the bridge wall by about that much from the left, right corner driver's uh, passenger side and went airborne off the bridge headlong into a tree that was there. And the cool, and not the cool thing about it, but the interesting thing about it was that I remember seeing it in slow motion. I was holding on to the steering wheel. And as we were making impact with the tree, I saw her moving forward to the windshield. And right when we hit impact, right before impact, I saw her get pushed back into the seat. And when we, when the car stopped, the trunk of the tree was in the base of the car and the tail end of the bumper was on the, um, the entrance, I mean, the start of the bridge, and we were just barely teetering there. And so we were able to crawl out and we we're like, shit, what the fuck was that, <laughs> you know? And yeah, we walked, the car was totaled, but we walked away. And of course, we, the biggest question wasn't about the car, though. It's like, shit, how are we going to tell grandma? <laughs> she told us to be careful. Grandma already knew. She was grandma, like, already, <laughs> grandma already knew. She had her guides push her back in the seat, we were, her aunt. Well, yeah, we had this delusion. We're like, okay, so how do we get the car back to the house and just tell grandma that, you know, somebody hit us in the parking lot. We were that scared. <laughs> That's wild. It's a wild story. That is a wild story. Did, um, did you like take anything away from that emotionally, spiritually? Like, do you feel like how did it impact on your forward trajectory? I still don't like to make laughs. <laughs> Did you not? To this day, I will drive, I will make a right, go down and make a safe left before I'll make a left across traffic. I just, and when it, whenever I'm in the car and someone else does it, I still, still don't like to do it. Um, but uh, just, it, it really showed me that whatever our belief systems are, that um, to trust our intuition and also sometimes, especially the wise people, I think that in this culture, especially here in the West, we don't honor our ancestors and our elders as much as what we could. There's a lot of knowledge and wisdom there. And sometimes the things that they, they teach us are, okay, you know, grandma, grandpa, whoever, you know, it's time to move on into this next age. But other times there's, you know, we need to listen. Even if we don't, even if we don't um, apply what they say, stop and listen and then allow that energy that that deep energy to move through us. Because if we had been willing to listen, then maybe our intuition would have kicked in and said, okay, well maybe, you know, we can see the signs. And I also learned that uh, to trust my intuition because there was a reason why I didn't want to make that left. You know, whether the chicken came before the egg, I don't know whether it was my aunt, um, you know, speaking that caused me to do that or if that was going to happen anyway, who knows, it doesn't really matter, but but there was something in me that said not to do that, not to make that turn. And today I would have trusted that. It's like, yeah, shit, no, we're about to park the car, you know. But I needed that experience to get to where I am now to have that belief. Yeah, that I feel like so many of us could use not that experience, but the idea that like trusting your intuition is just valid, even if you don't know why. It's like, like you said, just like trust it. Mm -hmm. So wild. Yeah, I feel like um, I have actually trusted my intuition. And sometimes I have thought that trusting your intuition means that 
it's going to take me down paths that are like, um, that don't have discomfort or don't have pain. And so I've often followed my intuition, but been questioned, like questioned it. And now, and I still followed it. And I'm getting to a point in my life now where I can see like, so I, I would start to, I'd be like, well, maybe I can't really trust my intuition because it, it guided me towards being in that relationship or it guided me towards whatever. And that didn't in the moment, I was like, this can't possibly be the path that I was meant to be taking. And then now I feel like I look back and see that following those, those, um, pulls was exactly what I needed to experience in order to become who I am now. And you can't just, you can't just say that that's like a very intellectualized phrase, but to actually experientially know that I was following my intuition and my intuition was actually guiding me. Um, and I didn't always listen, but when I did, it was exactly, it was taking me through the course that I was meant to go on. Now I sit here at 38 being like, I, I really trust my intuition and I really work on listening to it and allowing it to be louder in my life and not worrying so much if the form that it's guiding me towards it feels off or I'm like, that can't possibly be what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just like, all right, I do trust you. So here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. We tend to want to judge things and say, and you touched on this, it's like, if I trust my intuition, then everything's going to be you know, peaceful and fine. And, and that means I'll be able to navigate through life without having to have any, what I, anything of what I determined to be friction. And, you know, this goes into the whole quantum uh, conversation for me, because we, we have to, everything, everything that we know moves on a wave. And in order to create that wave, there has to be a low point and a high point. If things are static, then there's no movement. What happens when water sits for too long? It becomes stagnant. It has to have movement. And in order for there to be movement, then there, that means that there has to be lower energy than to higher energy. And when it comes to our intuition and trusting that, it may be that our intuition is guiding us to be at a place so that we can get to that lower place and build the momentum so that we can get to the place of possibility and probability. Uh, you know, and so I think that it's, it's, like you said, just hang on, you know, it's about being willing to be on the ride and say, wherever it takes me, I've got this, man. Yeah, in the last year, <clears throat> well, year and a half now, this 2021 is like going, is the slowest and longest, slowest and fastest year that I feel like I've experienced in a while. Um, but at the beginning of 2020, um, I was in a relationship. I've been broken up. We broke up in December of last year. But through that year, there were moments where the relationship was, from my vantage point, uh, I'll say my like 3D human experience vantage point, I was like, things are not going the way that I want. I should, I have all the reasons to be able to like, quote unquote, justifiably leave. And when I checked in with myself, my intuition said, stay. And I was so fucking confused. And I like asked it and asked it, asked it, kept saying, stay, stay, stay until I did. And so I fully stepped in and 
I ended up working on myself. I ended up figuring out how to communicate in different ways. Like I really committed. And then when things started getting good, quote unquote, good, I remember going on a walk one day and checking in with myself and my, my soul or higher power, whatever you want to call it said, it's time to go. And I was like, no, no, look, it's like, like, it's getting good. Like, no, 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 no. And then it took me time to like, actually get to a place where I could align and like fully act on that and be ready to, but that last year and experiencing kind of that dissonance of like, I would have thought things were moving in, you know, the negative direction. So I should leave and we're positive. And then in that short amount of time, I experienced both. It's like, is when I was like, and it needed to happen just that way. And so now I'm like, girl, you have my back the whole time. I'm going to, I'm listening now. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to hear you. Um, but it is, it is a wild experience. Um, a validating experience, I guess I would say. Yeah. And I feel that man, because it's like, I was, I remember the last toxic relationship that I was in. I'll put it that way because it really was, um, it was very unhealthy in many ways. And I, um, and I say last because I intend for there to not be any more. Right. Um, and I, I'd been in this relationship with the woman for about four years and we really shouldn't have been together, honestly, after six months. And, um, just because, um, our energies weren't, we weren't matching and I was still moving into where I was and, and she was in a different place, but we were both about the mindset of, hey, we've decided to do this, we're gonna stay even though, even though we're not happy. And so that's what made it toxic. And so, um, and so I had people around me who were saying, what are you doing? Why are you staying in this relationship? You're so unhappy, you know, and, and you just need to get out of this. And I'm going, no, no, I need to stay. And, and my friends would get so annoyed with me because I, they, you know, I'd say, can I, can I vent? Can I just vent, <laughs> you know? And they say, yeah, we're here for you. And I was like, da, 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 you know, and they're like, so can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, why are you still here if you're so unhappy? And I was like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to leave. They're like, that makes no sense. And I'm going, yeah, but it makes sense to me. I can't explain it. And so they saw me as being in denial, but it was me trusting myself because there was something else for me to learn. And I just didn't know what that was yet. And I didn't put it in those terms at the time because I was in the middle of it. And, um, and even though I knew that part of it was me honoring my word to say, hey, listen, you know, I've made this commitment to you and, um, and I, I'm gonna stick through it. Now, there was also another part of me that, that because, because of their story, um, I, I didn't wanna be that person that helped to repeat the patterns that they had in their life, right? From some of the stories that they had before by not sticking through. And so, but then I learned from that, it's like someone else's story isn't my responsibility. It's not for me to try to fix their past. I can show up and I can be here um, and try to be present. And it's up to them whether they receive it or not. And if they're not receiving, then it's possible that maybe I need, then I need to look at myself and say, is this where I need to be? but it's not my responsibility to try to mend someone else's 
thing, they have to take responsibility for that. But I couldn't have done that if I, I couldn't have realized that if I left when my friend said, what the hell are you doing? Get the hell out. I just would have, you know, gotten out and then repeated the pattern in another relationship, you know? Yeah. The angry therapist always talks about that. And I just love it. He's like, you'll just swap like faces basically. And you'll end up in the same relationship until you learn the lesson. And that's been really permission giving for me as well, where we are very much conditioned to avoid pain or to leave when things are hard. And it's like, yeah, I ask myself now, have you learned all the lessons you need to learn? And if the answer, like in this relationship, and if the answer is yes, then it's time to leave. Um, but if the answer is no, then it's like, okay, sit, sit in it for a little bit longer and see what you can learn from this experience. And maybe you'll also be proven wrong. Like maybe things will take a turn and like it ends up being longer, but I also believe that's like in our conditioning to try to shoot for forever. It's like not a successful relationship unless it lasts, you know, your entire life or until you die or whatever the case may be. Um, so then we were like trying to make sure it's a success by staying versus like, oh, this person might be able to teach me something for the next couple of years and I might be able to teach them something. And that's like a more permission giving and freeing way to look at a relationship. I hear you on the, the social conditioning, Janelle, and I like literally, I think staying in that last year with the lessons that I learned from that, exactly what you were saying, Zoya, it's like, I have started to, it's so interesting because so much of that relationship, I was wanting him to be my person. And what ultimately came from it is that I realized that no one person is going to be my forever person. It's just, I am going to be my forever person. And the other people that happen to like be on the track of life that happened to cross paths with me, I have no control over them and they are a sovereign being. And to like expect them to tailor their lives to my cycle is pretty fucked up actually. And so now I really just try to honor what I get to be with myself through my cycles of life. And I get to be my own person, which again, I think we've all heard some iteration of that before, but it's not cerebral anymore for me. It's very experiential, but it took me being in that space. And now I, I, I don't really believe that. I mean, I believe that you can find a person that you happen in, in all, in the percentage or statistical, you know, uh, chances, like it's possible that you find a person and you, you're like genuinely just like when you ebb, you're both in an ebb and you would have been anyways. And it like, that's awesome. And that doesn't have to be the only way to enjoy fulfillment in connect de depth of connection with people. Um, so anyways, I really want to, I want to introduce you Zoya because we're like talking about some awesome stuff. Um, and just real quick, I just want yeah. to come back to that, what you're saying, yeah. because I so resonate with that. That resonates with me so much. So yeah, after you do the intro, I want to come back to that. Sweet. Sweet. Hello friends. Before we introduce Zoya, we would like to talk about all of our upcoming events in the month of August. On the first Thursday of each month, we are doing our True North Collective workshops. 
These workshops are all about authenticity. It's an amazing crew. We do some light facilitation and then really get to learn and interact from other people in the room. And we have The Collective, which is on the third Thursday of each month. It is our free monthly community gathering where we also jam on authenticity. It's a lot of fun. It's a space to make new friends and really gain new insights and perspectives from other people. We would love to have you join us at either, both, all of the above. We just want to play and jam with other people that are excited to talk about authenticity. We hope to see you there. We'll leave some links in the show notes where you can access both the collective and our August workshop. Let's jump back in. Um, okay, so I'm super excited to have Zoya. I honestly, I don't really think we've had that many conversations live. Like we've had a few. <laughs> we both went through the same meditation teacher training at different times. And then we're teaching at the same studio. And you were somebody that like, there are par- lots of parallels between the two of us. Like as I'm learning about you just this morning, I'm like, whoa, that's wild. They like, you know, we are unique beings and there's a lot of similarities. Even I remember being outside of your class once and you had people journaling and I was like, I have people journal too. I need to know this human. And so I'm like, so, so grateful that you are here and I get to learn more about you. Um, I'm going to read your bio as you said it, because I think you are going to say it, but like it's written better than I could just off the cuff, but I will say that your energy has always landed for me as a very grounded, omnipresent energy that is um, like reliable and there, even if you're not in person. And I, I know we haven't met that, you know, known each other like super, but I feel like you are in my court and that I, I know you and for whatever that's worth, I'm appreciative of it, appreciative of it, especially during this time of like growth and learning on, on my part to know that there's other humans out there where I feel seen just by you being you is, um, I'm grateful for it. Thank okay. you very much. Yeah, of course. So, um, Zoya's pronouns are she, her, they, them, and she is gender non-conforming. Zoya Flo is a non-conformist who only uses the term because it seems that most people need something to describe her. When people ask her who she is, she often simply says Zoya. But for those who insist on descriptors, who need them? Zoya is a grounded dreamer, a focused explorer, a meditative warrior, and a creative thinker. Zoya believes in mastering only what she must, so she has space to taste more experiences, which includes being a healing artist with um, modalities such as herbalism, energy healing and Reiki, divination, and she's a certified meditation teacher. She also launched a podcast in mid-2020 called The Possibility Flow. It is a series of explorations to offer fellow explorers the opportunity to seep topics from new perspectives to help them release their full true selves in being, manifesting quantum possibilities. The Possibility Flow includes solo chats, guests, and meditations, and she's temporarily put production on hold to honor her own exploration, but has new um, possibilities new episodes watching soon. Um, you are, I wrote this right after too. I was like, you're the coolest person ever. <laughs> and then, and then of course I'm like, there's so many parallels between us. So I, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm so grateful that you're here and I'm going to let you comment and then we'll ask our first question. For sure. Um, so comment on the last topic, right? 
So I love that uh, with what you were saying. I describe myself now as polyamorous and uh, I'm very much bisexual and during different parts of my life. As a matter of fact, I, I think I had my first experiences with boys and girls probably around the same time, which was really young, <laughs> like six or something, you know? Um, <laughs> and I was intrigued. My mom was kind of a hippie type, right? She'd walk around the house naked. She taught me that the body was beautiful and sexuality was beautiful. And it was an expression of love and connection. And, and my dad, you know, he's like, you know, he's like right there with her and stuff. And they didn't hide their sexuality from me the way they loved on each other. They didn't like, oh, you know, the kids in the next room, we're not going to let her hear us having sex sort of thing. You know, they just weren't those kind of people, but they didn't also didn't flaunt their sexuality in front of me. So it was very healthy and balanced. And so as I've gone through my life, um, I've dated women and I've dated men and I've gone through periods it's like, nope, not dating any more chicks. I'm done. <laughs> you know, and it's like, nope, not dating any more men. Absolutely not. But in the, but I've noticed that when I've been the happiest is when I've been open to dating both. And, um, and, you know, I, after my last relationship, I, um, I took a long break because I was like, I don't want anyone in my life. I don't want anyone in my bed and I don't want to be in anyone else's. And so I, I wouldn't date anyone. And then when I decided to start coming back to, to dating, which, which just was just last year, um, I realized that there's energies that are different between male energy and female energy. And yes, you can find it in, um, you know, you know, female energy that resides within men and, and male energy that resides within women. But as far as from the just strictly the gender perspective, there's different things that um, that fulfill me for both. And so I said, why am I limiting myself? You know, um, I don't believe in naming my relationships or categorizing them. My kids are not just my kids. They're my friends. They're my homies. They're my whatever. And I feel the same way about, I, I have a hard time even using the term friends with people because it limits, it says, this is the limitation of that relationship. And so when it comes to intimate relationships, a relationship can be very intimate without it being sexual. And when you have that agreement with people, it's like, this is my partner, but we don't have sex. But that, in, that relationship can be more intimate than the person that you are just having sex with because it connects on a different type of intimacy. And so I've learned that that really works for me, that um, I, that uh, being ethically non-monogamous, my, you know, whether my partners meet or not is, you know, depends on the dynamic of the different relationships and whatnot. Um, and how we express that either together or not is completely up for whatever the dynamics are. Uh, but, uh, but for me to be able to have that freedom of expression and how I experience connection with others and love is so freeing. And um, yeah, and it also gives me the ability to express myself in those relationships differently. And you touched on something that I think is very, that I find very true for me, say parallels, I, there are a lot of parallels here, um, <clears throat> in that I don't think it's fair for me to expect one person to meet all of my needs. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm vibing with someone and, you know, like I really dig the outdoors and dancing around the fire and all this sort of thing, it's just not their thing, but I want to share that with someone to be dissatisfied because they don't want to, then why can't I have a relationship with someone who does and still have that intimacy, you know? 
Um, and also by opening myself up, it gives me ways to, because I'm very much a person towards, you know, I like to bounce things off of people in my life. And it gives me different dynamics to which to do that so I can go even deeper in myself and then be able to offer more to share with others. What's interesting in what you're saying is, you know, love, real love actually can't be labeled and contained. And so I think what you're experiencing is how love, these are my words, unconditionally flows through you and expresses through this vessel that you have in this lifetime, which is uncontained. But it if if I was going to do it, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's love that flows through their vessel needs to look like the way it does for you. That's just how love flows through you uncontained and like how it might through flow through me uncontained. It might look, you know, whatever, because my vessel is like, you know, has whatever, you know, it has that is unique to me. But I love what I hear is like uncontained love in physical form. Well, in this conversation, like Rachel, you and I, Marco Polo, about this. Or, I don't know, we kind of had a podcast episode on it, but Zoya, like, what I feel like you just blew my mind and like, your explanation of how you're like, experiencing it and doing it in your daily life. Because we were talking about, okay, you have these friendships, and we like generally put a romantic relationship on a pedestal. And then, depending on how you look at it, if you are Um, like if you want monogamy in your relationships, then it's this one person that's on this pedestal that a lot of times you're like, okay, I have needs. You're not going to be able to meet them all. So then I guess I'm going to like build these friendships, but then can your friendships be, I mean, the word intimate is like sticking out to me and how you described it. Like, it doesn't have to be sexual. I was like, oh, like, I I don't know. (laughs) I was just like, what? wait, you're just really shifting something in my brain right now because we were talking about that. And it just like, how do you, how do you build your circle, your people and express love while not needing a single person or in a romantic relationship, which most of us have been exposed to that more frequently to be the thing. Right. And as someone who I think I'm like a very one-to-one person, like that for me is where I get a lot of fulfillment and like, yeah, I can thrive in a group and have fun, but I get the most depth and meaning out of that intimacy and, and it can be in friendships. And I think I'm slowly starting to learn that. Um, so anyway, that was not very succinct or very deep, but I'm just processing what you said. And I'm like, huh, I think I'm gonna have to like go back and listen to that again. <laughs> I'm going to add that to be like super like transparent on it. What Janelle and I were talking about was like, what if like we are one of each other's soulmates, like Janelle and I as friends. And, and because she was like, I think that all, when I read these things about like, you know, soulmates, you fit a lot of these boxes for me. And like, so we've been kind of like going back and forth on that saying it, not saying it. And like, what does that, what does that mean? And, and we, I, I don't want to be in a romantic relationship with you, Janelle. Sorry. (laughs) And like, I do feel a level of intimacy with you because of, you know, our shared interests and passion and getting to know who we actually are and um, creating, co-creating things together, collaboration, um, going through a lot of highs and lows where we've done it well and we've done it really shitty. <laughs> and, um, but we've never left. So it's, it's kind of, I just share that um, to give like more specific context to, to what you were saying. Thank you. I was mostly like, 
my mind is blown. Even the activity piece, like, I don't know why this is, this is hitting me hard today. Maybe. <laughs> like, I apparently needed this conversation because it is like, I will exclude people sometimes from my life because I'm like, well, if they don't like the natures and the outdoors, like that's basically all I do. And so then I'm like, well, I don't know, we're going to hang out then. And not that that's a bad thing. Like it is valid, but anyway, I'm just going to like ponder over here for a second. What you're saying is important, Janelle, because I'm kind of wrestling with a similar thing of like, you know, call it cancel culture, call it red flags, call it boundaries. I think it's really, I feel like it has been, um, I have internalized that when somebody doesn't fit you know, my value structure or my way of being and it, then there's a dissonance sometimes. And like, I should protect my peace, quote unquote, which is important. And what I'm actually shifting into is, okay. So the expectation I had of this person fitting into my worldview is, doesn't align with their expectation of who they want to be. And so can I release that expectation and let them actually be who they are and build a connection with them with, from them being who they actually are, not who I need them to be. And what does that look like? And that has been, that has changed the game. It's like people who I would have been like, I am, I'm triggered. I'm, which is valid, but now I'm going okay, Rachel, what are you doing to take care of that? And who are you expecting them to be? Or who are they? Like, let's look at what's really here. And now who are they actually showing you that they are? Can you interact with that person? And then I have to give myself space. But so far, every single person, I'm like, I actually can. Like, there is nothing inherently wrong with them that I can't build a relationship with that, the version that they actually are. And now I'm kind of having a lot of fun with that because it's blowing my mind in terms of the types of nuanced uh, connections you can actually have with people versus just the one that I've like, the ones that I've like predetermined are quote unquote good for me, which are based on my default survival mode. So they actually aren't. So anyways. So I recently started hanging out with someone and I think they're great, like a great human but there are things that normally, like you were saying, cancel culture, red flags, whatever, like they vape, they eat fast food. Like these are all things that are fundamentally not like for me in my life. But Rachel, what you just said, it's like, but no, I can actually still really appreciate so many things about this person. And I don't want them to be like, all this all encompassing thing in my life. Right. But they have this like really great area where we like flow and it's fun and it's whatever. Um, and I have, I'm like, I'm a controller in relationships or I'm like recovering from it. Like where I definitely try to control the outcome and it's a safety mechanism and all the things we learn in therapy, whatever, but like to have, to just like, let it be what it is. And Rachel, like you said, not making them bad for this habit and being like, I mean, I don't want to do that. And I also have to be mindful of like, if I'm around someone who vaping, like there is a health impact on me too, but um, like playing with that space versus, I don't know, even a year ago, I probably would have been like, bye, <laughs> like not hanging out with you just because of this one thing when there's actually like a lot of beauty and fun to be had, um, within the relationship. So, wow. Whew. Thank you guys. You're welcome. Well, and also, you know, you guys both touched on conditioning and I think that has a lot to do with it. And, um, uh, 
is that especially, and I, I come back to saying, especially in the West, because we, you know, don't get me started on words like boundaries and woke and all that sort of thing, which if we flow into that conversation, trust me, I have plenty to say. But, um, <laughs> you know, but we, we tend to say that, okay, this is what a relationship looks like. If you are my friend, here are our boundaries and we can't cross into this. And I cannot let you into my intimate space because, oh, that means you want to sleep with me. You know, <laughs> and, and other cultures don't do that. It's like, man, if I love you, I love you. And we can sleep in the same bed. We can, you know, whatever, without it being about, okay, who's going to want to fall in love with each other first, you know? And um, instead of just trusting ourselves to be and express love. And I think that what happens is when we start to feel that deep intimate connection with people, sometimes we, um, there may be things within ourselves that we need to heal or whatever it may be, but it's, it's like we deny ourselves because of the conditioning, we deny ourselves the ability to connect with others because of what the rest of society says. I dated someone recently who was, I'm very liberal, right? I used to be an independent. If we want to talk, you know, it's like categories, which I can't stand, but, um, but I'm, I, I'm at this place in my life right now where I'm very liberal. And I dated someone who was very conservative. And I was like, my friends would say, what are you doing? <laughs> This is a very conservative guy from South Texas. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like, he has a red beard, it's cute. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly, and so- Love me a red beard. <laughs> exactly, it's like, I can't say no to that, <laughs> you know? Um, but the experience was, uh, but I had another person in my life who said, another friend who said, um, I'm so glad you're doing that. Because so many people would say that because they don't understand your experience here, that there's no way for you to connect. But once, as long as we left, honestly, politics out of it, we were really good. We're not seeing each other anymore, but, um, but there were other things that caused us to say, okay, our time together is done. But the, my point is that if I had said, oh, you vote which way? <laughs> then I never would have had an experience that was actually very fulfilling. And, um, you know, and so when it comes to even like friendships and whatnot, how am I supposed to expand my understanding of the world if I'm only staying in sameness? You know, how am I supposed to be able to truly experience things? It may be someone else's passion about this thing that I really don't like. And I can't tell you the number of times I said, yeah, I'm never fucking doing that. And then someone shows me their love and their passion and their drive for something. It's like, oh, oh, very cool. You know, even if it's not meant for that person to stay in my life and their passing through was only to get me to relax and be willing to see something else. I feel like I want... <laughs> I'm going to already just say, I want you to come back on the podcast because I realize we have 30 minutes left and there's so many more things I want to talk to you about, or maybe we just need to become, um, well, I don't want to label it as just friends, but connection, universal, whatever the doorway is open is what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, so I really want to ask you about quantum possibility and nonconformity and how they've played a role in you being who you are today? Well, let's see here. Um, 
I think in, in, in many ways, I've always been a bit of a nonconformist. And if, if you were to look up the dictionary definition of that word, it's like very, there's different things. And so for me, it just simply says that I, just like gender nonconformity, there's just no specific way of being for me. I, I just simply flow into what feels right for me. And, um, but it hasn't always been the case. I've, like many of us, I've always felt different. I was a kid that was picked on and bullied because I, you know, I didn't fit in with what everyone else was doing. And it took me a long time to get to the place where I honored that. And I actually love that about me now, but there was a long time when I didn't. And I just wanted to fit in with everyone else. Um, especially, you know, through adolescence, we go through that and early adulthood. But for me, nonconformity has come down to saying, fuck what everybody, what the boxes are everybody else is trying to put me in. You know, as long as I'm not hurting someone else, as long as I'm not, um, you know, I don't know, walking into Whole Foods naked or something like that, then, <laughs> then, um, then just to simply be who I am. And that comes down to, I don't know, it almost sounds like, a, like some people may say, oh, are you, are you being purposely contrarian? And so I said, well, it's only contrarian if you're trying to put me in a box, you know? So for me, I'm just being who I am. And so nonconformity for me simply means uh, being willing to experience, experience beyond what should and should not be. Uh, whether that's uh, the things we watch or don't watch on TV, whether it's um, now, and I will say though, for, you know, there is a part of me that if everyone else is excited about something, I'm really skeptical, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like when everyone's was all really big about Game of Thrones, I was like, I'm not watching that. Everyone's watching that. And then I watched, I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know? um, but um but yeah, so for me, it's, it's, about, uh, it's about being open to experience. And that gives me, when it, how that leads into quantum possibilities is that by being open in that way, I believe it helps me to connect with my, my deeper self to be able to manifest into this life what I want, this existence, what I want, what my desires are. Um, I find that, that the more that I relax and free myself, the more easier it is for me to manifest and create and to do it with authenticity, without expectation and just say, it is what it is, man. It's like, if something, if something, um, if I channel something or something comes through, you know, in my, my conscious mind may say, what are you doing? And start to have doubts, but my subconscious self and my true self will say, you know, it, it'll benefit the person or the experience that's supposed to. Does that make sense? So, um, so for me, it's, it's about freedom. Um, and I'm, I'm Gemini. So we, I'm very, 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 very Gemini. <laughs> it's like Gemini sun, Gemini, um, rising, and there's like air all over my chart. <laughs> so thank God I have a Capricorn moon, you <laughs> know, a little bit of grounding. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm all about, um, just really being in the flow and just experiencing life as it is. So that's what that means to me. And it's creating that space. So how did you land on quantum possibility? Like how, how is that the words that you use? And, and like, tell me more about that. That's a really, I mean, it is a specific 
concept. And so I'm curious how that has like shown up for you. I can't honestly say where, where that began. Um, I've always been a fan of science, although, um, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a physicist, I'm a hobbyist, and I'll pick up things here and there that either come through, um, through channeling, or I'll hear a conversation, have conversations like this, like, oh, yeah, you know, um, but quantum possibilities for me is simply breaking it down to the fact that <clears throat> when we look at, at the quantum, you know, there's, there's nothing that's linear, right, um, and we have different levels of existence. And if we embrace the idea of quantum theory, then that means that all things are happening at one time in any given space, anything is possible. So what right now, as we sit right here, this conversation could go, you know, a, a hundred thousand different ways, depending upon what I say next and how you respond to it. And so we're creating as we're moving through not just with our conversation, but also the fact that, um, you know, we know from, from quantum theory that, um, that things do not come into existence until we observe them. And so that means that when I say quantum possibilities, it's saying that the more honest that I am with myself, the mo more open I am with myself, um, the, more, the more restrictions I remove from myself, and that gives me the ability to say, oh, well, this is the direction I wanna go. Let me see how I can bring that in and just simply flow into it. Even when I teach meditations, one of the meditations that I love to teach is um, to go out into, for lack of a better term, into the universe and say, there is a version of yourself that has already resolved this challenge that you're facing in your life. So let's go visit that person, that, that being, and ask them how it was resolved. And then we bring that energy, that knowledge back into this space and then we apply it. And because for everything that we face, we already have the solution, but because we're conformed to believe that things are only supposed to go, there's only one truth, there's supposed to go one way and there's only one way to seeing things, we end up staying stuck in this place of, of um, lack of resolution. And we stay stuck in this place of tension instead of saying, no matter what I'm facing, it is possible there is another way to look at things. Like you mentioned it earlier when you talked about your relationship, right? And you said when you were there, um, you know, it's like, you know, what am I supposed to learn here, right? But if you were, if you said, but if you had stayed in a place of saying, no, this is the way it's supposed to be, then you would have never gained the experience that you need for the next thing that could possibly, that for the catalyst that that was to happen next in your life, right? So if you had stayed, would you be sitting there in, you know, in California right now and having the experiences that you did, but you had to get to a certain place so that that could open up for you. So, so when we embrace the idea of quantum possibilities is acknowledging that there's always always, always more than one way to experience or look at any given situation. And that gives us the power to create. I love it. And I don't know if we recorded it earlier when we were talking, but you had mentioned something about this being a cerebral, you know, conversation, but, and it is. And to me, I experience quantum as a, as a very embodied experience. Um, and so the possibility, 
I mean, sometimes I do need to wrap my, I, I, it's like, I think it's natural to like try and wrap my head around it. I'm a total intellectualizer. So I, that's like my way of like avoiding, it's a gift. And then on the flip side, I can overuse it. Um, but I do, I like the, to like, let's talk about it. Let's cerebral it. And the actual experience of what I, I believe quantum um, possibility to be for me as of today has been quite embodied. I'm curious. Um, how you experience it? Uh, it's both. It's both. I mean, as I mentioned, I have a ton of air. <laughs> yes, as people in my life, they, say, they may say hot air, but anyway. Um, but um, for me, it's both because I, I think a lot, but in order for me to move out of my head, then I have to move into experience. I'm very much a um, kinesthetic, visual kinesthetic learner. I have to see and I have to do. And uh, that's how I process, uh, which is really interesting how, how obsessed I am with audiobooks. I can't, I can't listen to, um, just on a side note, I can't listen to nonfiction on audio because I'll never get it. I'll rewind every five seconds. Like, what did they say? Certainly not about quantum theory. Fantasy fiction, different thing. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> but for me, it comes back to, it, it really is both. Um, I try to be in a space in a in a space of simply being and that in in itself um, allows me to be stay in the state of possibility because I'm trying not to judge each moment and saying it should or should not be anything than what it is now that's great in theory of course it doesn't always work that way because when I do get in my head I'm like oh my gosh I'm so stressed about this thing what the heck you know and uh, but um, but then when I calm myself and say, okay, no matter what happens, I'm going to benefit from it, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment. Yeah, what just came through for me there was in an effort to be embodied, don't sever your head from your body because your head is a part of that experience too. And so it's, yeah. Um, I was gonna ask if this ties in, because where my head as you're explaining this goes to, I'll have conversations with people where it's like one small action. Like as an example, one of the last guys I dated, I remember, like, I actually remember the moment, which is sort of weird, like actually looking at his Tinder profile. This is, this seems unrelated, but I swear it's deep. <laughs> like looking at his Tinder profile and being like, I don't know if I want to like actually connect with this guy and just being like, you know what? Why the hell not? And doing it. Well, then turns out I end up meeting this guy in Colorado we travel around together for a bunch of months, like we date, all these things happen. And I think about that one moment, that like little decision where I very visually like remember hesitating on it because he's like something silly and like a bunch of people, all the like the quote unquote rules that I have on dating apps where I'm like, this dude just has pictures with other people. There's like some weird meme on there. Like, I don't even know if he's that cute, whatever. And I did it. And so I'm wondering if like Zoya in this concept of there's no you know there's all these possibilities all these paths like do you view that as like anything could happen and that was just like a random choice and it unfolded or do you view it as there's like someone guiding you in those little moments that our paths were meant to cross so for me it's not I think that we are that we are I don't believe there's any separation in beings whether it's higher, lower, I think that we're all the same. And I think that we are the masters of our own creation. 
Um, I don't believe, for my personal beliefs, um, I don't believe that there's anything or anyone orchestrating. I believe that since we are a part of the whole, then we are manifesting through this dimension of consciousness. And so as a result, our energy um, helps to call out to other energies to help to fulfill um, the, to, to create the next um, stone in the pathway, right? And so as a result, we bring those things into being that stone. I'm sure you've seen in movies where it's like the person steps out and, you know, into the nothingness of ether and all of a sudden, yeah, exactly. I believe that that's what, that's what life is for us. And, um, and so because we are powerful creators, we, even when we're thinking subconsciously that something, we want something to come into our lives and, or we want something to be healed or we want you know, a certain type of relationship, either our, our willingness to bring it in or our resistance to it will say if that stone appears or not. And so if this person, if someone shows up in our lives, it's because on some level we willed it. And, but it's not, I, for my personal beliefs, I don't believe that there's anything on the outside orchestrating it to have a certain income because then we take away free will. And that's completely unethical in my so, um, so in order for us to have true free will, we are the creators. And so, you know, even with something, you know, like I said, the person I was dating recently, um, even though that they were completely different in ideologies for me, I helped to bring that in because maybe there was something within me that said, um, I need to be able to make sure that I don't stay rigid in this one way of thinking. I need someone to, to show me something different or maybe they helped to bring me in to show them something different. I don't know. I I appreciate that viewpoint because I often, I guess in some ways it doesn't even matter like the answer, right? To me, like, because I'll wrestle. I'm like, is this someone's guiding me to something? Is it just a random act of unfolding? And it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like the, I'm still going to live the life, but I appreciate hearing other people's point of view and perspective because I'm still trying to find my own. And I like to hear how other people view it and see what pieces I can borrow from it. Well, and the other part that I heard there was, um, you know, you chose to allow that stone to kind of manifest and to take that step. And at any given point in time, there are tons of stones that could manifest in any direction from that stone. It's not like you set yourself on this stone and now you're like keyed into just that one thing. There's still the quantum possibility of stones that can show up at any point in time, which is pretty cool. I was just going to say, I'm like on the stone topic. What happens if more than one stone shows up? There are, there's more than one stone constantly. It, to me, I think it's true. Like there's always the infinite number of stones. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that, um, and I feel, I think if we, if we were to just sit really silent, it's one of the beautiful things about meditation, right? We can sense that there's all these different paths before us. And when we decide to take the next step, it's like, what? feels right for me right now in this moment 
And do I, it can, even simple things. Let's say you, you go to the store and do you park on the side or do you park in the parking lot? Or do you decide to walk to the store? Because all of those things, all of those three options will determine what your experience is. You know, do I take a drink of water right now or do I wait until I'm on mute? Because what if I call, you know what I'm saying? So, so these stones are constantly laid out before us. It's infinite. And that's what's beautiful about the quantum is that we, especially when we allow ourselves to be conscious of that we have the power of possibility within us, that we are living possibility, that whichever stone, what that stone looks like, is it big, is it small, am I gonna have to balance my, all these sorts of things, we have the ability and the power to not only manifest the stones, but choose which direction that we take. And then when other people and their free will come into it, then it, then it helps to shape the path and create more opportunities for us to explore. And then how with each stone, then it comes into how do I choose to accept or reject the experience? What do I choose? Do I choose to open myself up to see something different or do I not? Do I choose to judge it? Because if I do, that's fine. That's my choice, but it's my choice. Well, I first just want to say, I have this really beautiful visual right now of hopping stones and then having like a friend over here hopping stones next to me. And then like sometimes someone else hops on the same stone as me and we're hugging and we get to do that for a while. <laughs> and then maybe we stop hugging and we kind of go about our own ways. But anyway, um, what do I do when I see multiple stones? I, I feel like I'm a gut intuition person. So a lot of times I try to just jump to the next stone before I think too hard. And then if I think too hard it's sort of like when Erica came on and she talked about jumping the puddle it's like I have like five seconds and this is actually in literal jumping stones when I'm hiking and in my psychological mind it's like I have five seconds sometimes to jump otherwise a lot of times I can get like really paralyzed with is it the wrong choice should I go to this other stone is it the stone over there what stone should I pick oh god and then I just like don't move from the stone I'm on um so and sometimes you stay in that stone for a while, but like if there were multiple stones appearing, it's just like that one, jump. <laughs> and then like knowing I can't get it wrong. And if, I don't know, the stone falls in the water, I guess I'll just swim to another one. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I would love to, so as we're talking about these stones, I know I came into this wanting to ask you about your pronouns specifically because I, and I'm like, playing and exploring with uh, my own pronouns. And I, what's coming up for me in this conversation, because I was like, oh my gosh, you gave yourself permission to be she, her, they, them. I didn't even know that I could do that because I have been wrestling with, am I she, her, or am I she, them? And yesterday I have landed on, I'm she, her, because that feels very honoring to like the divine feminine. That feels like it's, um, becoming very it has always been very present and suppressed within me and going she they felt like I was almost re re-shoving it back down and so um anyways and then you show up today with all of them and I'm like well for fuck's sake shit okay I <laughs> okay cool and with the stones I'm like okay you literally can have it be anything so I'm just curious how you got to that 
for my own self as I continue to explore this because I I know pronouns are really an important part of people feeling a sense of self. And so I do have a lot of reverence for that. Um, and there's clearly something here still for me to explore. So I would love to learn through you right now. Absolutely. I'll say that I've just recently started to, um, to consciously uh, acknowledge pronouns for myself. And when I really think about who I am and how I express myself, um, rarely in my life have I, um, have I expressed myself only as feminine energy. I've always been, it's like, you know, when we were younger, it's like, oh, you know, I'm a tomboy and this, that, and the other, but my gender expression and my energy has always been a balance between masculine and feminine. And, um, and there are times when I really tap into my masculinity and I feel very much so. Whereas, and it not only comes across in the way I dress, but also my behavior, the way I speak and, and all that sort of thing. Um, whereas where society, you know, people learn very early on that if you don't want to stick me in a dress, I'm not going in a fucking dress, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, um, but when I, this, this new um, era, era that we're in where people are acknowledging the truth of their gender expression, it made me think, I'll, I'll actually tell you where, um, kind of what made me take the move. And it was actually just only about a month ago. I was, I taught a class and it was a very, uh, it was a very powerful class. And uh, in, in my opinion, um, because we were talking about um, self-love and this could be a whole nother topic. I won't go down this rabbit hole, but how, but on the surface, it was about how, how do we get to the place of self-love? Self and sometimes we have to see ourselves in the mirror of someone else to realize that we're capable of being loved and we love them. And as a result, we learn that we can love ourselves. So self-love doesn't only come from the inside. I, I don't believe that we have to love ourselves before we love anyone else because sometimes we have to do it outside of us to bring it in. So anyway, whole nother topic. So, um, which by the way, comes back to some of these relationships that don't work. We love those things in that other person first and then we love it ourselves. Anyway, another topic. So with that being said, um, and so afterwards, the one of the uh, attendees said, you know, who are you? And I just said, I'm Zoya. And they're like, no, who are you? Because I channeled this thing. And, um, and, then, and then this person says to me, what are your pronouns? And I thought, never really thought about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, she, her. And I, then I thought, well, I guess they them too, because my expression, I'm a nonconformist. My expression is not always what society says it should be. And so that's how I came to that. Uh, in, in my, the people closest to me find me as being sometimes very androgynous. So why would I limit myself to only, only the um, pronouns of she, her expression? because it's not when I'm being in flow with myself, it could be like right now I'm feeling very androgynous. Um, and later today I may step out in, well, I don't have any plans tonight, but you know, it could be a short dress and heels, you know? But then next weekend I'm going camping in the woods in Arkansas with a good friend of mine and trust me, I'm gonna feel very masculine then. So, um, 
So I, so my pronouns are simply an expression of in honoring the fact that I am me. What's important about having the she, her there as well? How come they, them doesn't encapsulate all of that for you? Because um, I, I identify with the gender I was assigned at birth. And, um, and so the, my foundation is there as opposed to um, being um, uh, they, them. It feels when someone refers to me as she, her, it feels more me than they, them. Thank you for saying that. I'm, I just, I so appreciate this conversation and your transparency. And uh, I feel there a lot of resonance to what you're saying. Um, and I still want to sit with it myself. Um, but I just, I just appreciate, I love that like this came up in a coaching session. So I was getting coached and I was like, I really didn't come with this topic, but I really feel like I need to explore my pronouns and what that means to me. And I'm really nervous about it because I don't really know why it's coming through so much. And I landed there and then you show up today with this more expanded view. And so I just really appreciate um, the invitation to continue to explore it for myself. And um, I feel a sense of validation, even though I don't necessarily have like an answer for myself at this point. So thank you. You're very welcome. And it's, it's affirming for me as well to have this conversation here because again, this is new for me to anchor this in for myself. And, um, and you're confirming uh, that this is my truth. You know, and, and you know, someone, and it's interesting because when I was younger, when I would really feel my, uh, my masculine vibe, right? It's like I had a fade and whatnot. And, um, and I can't tell you the number of times that I've been called sir or him or whatever in my life. And, uh, you know, and so then they'll see, they'll, you know, they'll get a closer look at my face and they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it's okay. You know, so I've been called him and he, him many times in my life. And there are times when I actually, you know, embrace that. But as far as, but in this stage in my life and where I am, yeah, she heard them, they words. Again, thank you. Cause I too get mistaken as a boy um, frequently and I am totally okay with it. I get not okay with it when other people get uncomfortable and then they're trying to like overly like apologize or like make up for it. And I'm like, dude, now you're just, now I'm really uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> like, just take a breath. Okay. And it's like, everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny because um, in my relationships, I, I kind of think it can be fun too. When you're, when the gender, gender freedom brings I think it allows for deeper connection in some ways because um, you know even if it's if we're even if we identify with the in every way with the gender that we are assigned at birth and how we express it and every sort of thing being free to know that that's who you are but you have the choice that if you didn't then um, then you felt something other than that, then you would have, the, then that still allows for deeper connection. It's, it's acknowledging that this is how I feel and who I am. And, but in the context of relationships, for me, it can be fun, you know, especially if I'm in a relationship with someone else, um, 
usually women who are more who feel more free to express uh, different facets of their energy. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you know, I'm feeling really boy from you today. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can play that, <laughs> you know, let me open the door for you, <laughs> you know, but later, that, <laughs> you know, I, I might feel something different later. It's like, oh, hi, honey, <laughs> you know, but it's so fun. It's just, let's be in the flow and express who we are in any given moment, you know? Well, if you only live once, it's like, why wouldn't you give yourself the opportunity to lean into those like poles and like to experience all sides of all of it? Like, well, who says that we can only have to like, because we had, we got put into this box that, yeah, anyways, just thank you. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is magical. So it's been expansive for sure. I appreciate it. I just wrote down and I'm going to go, I think journal on it. I'm like, I am still exploring. That's what just like popped into my head. And I feel like it's from this conversation of just being able to, whether it be open doors or see all the stones being like, okay, yeah, there's still a lot here for me to play with and, and see where it goes. But Zoya, we have our final questions, even though we could talk to you forever and I'm sure you'll be back. The first is how do you live your true north in one word? Freedom. That's one of my core values right now too. So it's like uh, the one that always comes up. So thank you. I think that's also why I'm connecting with this conversation. And then uh, the second question is, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they ask you questions, listen to your podcast, follow you on the gram, I'm assuming? Yes. Uh, yes. You can find me at the possibility flow on Instagram. That's the handle. And also um, the possibility flow. Right now there's two episodes. There's an intro episode and one uh, that's on um dealing with the pandemic and touch and how touch um, being told that we couldn't touch in a time when we needed touch how it could how it affected us and could affect us and this was at the beginning of the pandemic uh, but the possibility flow is um, on all of the services apple podcasts google podcasts um, spotify all of them that's i'm excited i'm gonna go listen I know, to me too. So like, wait, hold on let me grab my phone and i need to put it in there because that has been very present and in my life and how I've come out on the other side. But thank you so much. Thank you, Zoya. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.